I want you to do something. I want you to grab your Bible and I want you to grab your booklet as well, if you will. We're going to grab the booklet first and then go to the Bible to Romans chapter 6. But I want to tell you a little bit about Kainos so that you can see it in this booklet. We're excited about it. It's an exciting time in Houston. We're renewing Kainos. The Astros are going to go to the World Series, we hope, in a game or two. Yes, that'll be great. The weather is awesome. I mean, what a great time to be a Houstonian and to be at our church as well to see all of these things taking place is so great. So this book that we have for you is we want to give you clarity. We want to give you inspiration. Somebody said, well, why do we have to have a book? Why don't you just tell us? There are so many things in this. We want you to take it home. We want you to read it. We want you to understand it. It's really hard to communicate all that's happening with thousands of people without us having a few resources and tools that are here. So I want you to turn, if you will, to page seven is where we're gonna start because we are, I wanna give you where we are. You can unseal them. If you opened up the seal before I told you, we added a zero to your pledge. Okay, that's all we did. And I know you're waiting for something special to fall out. We just wanted it one time to open them up together. So on page seven is where I want you to look and I want you to see what our primary goal was just and is to just give you some kind of a reminder. Our primary goal is 100% participation. We want everybody to be involved, every kid, every senior adult, everybody in between. And it's amazing to think about that. Do you know that we have had um, 791 brand new givers, never given to our church before in this time of kindness? Can we give a cheer for them? 791, almost 800. I think it'd be great as we get to, to this renewing series, if we busted a thousand, how cool would that be? And then we've had over uh, 5,100 that have jumped in as they've already given before. And that's incredible. So our 100% participation, we're doing really good on that. That's really exciting. And then our secondary goal, we wanted 100% engagement with our, our surrender, our faith, our generosity. Then our secondary goal was that we would be able to give financially to make some amazing things happen. Some kainos, brand new things. Kainos is the Greek word for new. And so we've done it in two different or three different buckets. Our commission, which is our budget, our community, which is reaching around Houston, and our compassion, which is reaching all over the world. Now, if you'll turn to page nine, just turn one more page. I want you to see how God has moved. Incredible. Almost $104 million. Almost 100,000 coming with our kids 18 and under. And you'll see we've already gotten uh, not quite halfway there in how many givers have given to Kainos. So we're excited about it. And we want to invite you to be a part of it. We've got even some new opportunities God has given us. And then, you know, with inflation and all that's happened in the economy, our previous ideas cost more money than they did a year ago. And so we're jumping in all the way. Got our t-shirts on. If you don't have a t-shirt, we got them for you in the lobby. You can grab one there. We want to be a part of a team. I think what's going to happen this week, I bet at some point this week, you're going to wear an Astro shirt. That's what's going to happen. Even if some today are like, I, why did it be Kanas Day? I want it to be Astro Day. Because we love being a part of something. We want to be a part of a team. We're going to put on our Altuve shirt, even though we haven't uh, been a baseball player ever. We're going to wear that and we're going to be set. We're going to be excited about it. We're fired up about being on a team. Well, let me tell you what, we as a church, you're on Team Kainos. That's why we got a jersey on today. But more than that, Paul is going to show us in Romans chapter 6, 
that you and I, if you're a believer in Jesus, are on team grace. Team grace. Let me tell you what, being on team grace is a great team. I love being on team grace. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter six, we're gonna look and we're gonna see here Paul's playbook. What does he have? What's going on with Paul? How has he gone through this? And to be able to understand team grace, what this means of journeying through it. So now let me get you where we've gone so far to catch you up. If you're taking notes, I want you, actually, I should have told you the page. Go to page 22 is where we're going to be for notes in your book. And we're going to bring these books with us each week for the next five weeks because we've got our note-taking pages in here. We've got a devotional for you to do tonight. So you can just read over that before bed. And we'll have that for each week. So page 22, turn there, and we're going to take some notes. So here's your first notes to take in here that you're going to want to write down. Let me just give you a recap on Romans so far. Romans chapters 1 through 3 is about condemnation. We're all sinners. Remember how tough that was going through Romans 1 through 3? Condemnation. Romans 4 and 5 is about justification, that we've been forgiven in Jesus Christ, and it's just if I'd never sinned. So we got to realize the condemnation that we need a Savior. Then we got to realize the justification in the Savior we're forgiven. That's chapters four and five. And then chapters six through eight, where we're starting today, is about sanctification. Condemnation, one through three. Justification, four and five. Sanctification, chapter six through eight. To change the United Nations. I don't know how much I could get more going there but to change all the change of the world and all the nations in our heart. So we've got to understand where we are of sanctification. And Paul's going to give us the playbook. He's going to show us team grace. We're going to understand it. We're going to begin in verse 20 of chapter 5 so you can get the context. Here we go. Chapter 5, verse 20 of Romans. The law came along to multiply the trespass. So now we know our sin because of the law. But where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more. Aren't you glad? So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace would reign through righteousness, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What then shall we say? Chapter 6. Should we continue to sin that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. Or were you unaware that all of us who were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So he says here, the first point that I want you to write down is this. Abundant grace is motivation to sin less, not to sin more. Abundant grace was motivation to sin less, not to sin more. Paul's going to do this through Romans a few times. He's going to give a rhetorical question, then he's going to answer it. What he's doing is he's giving his his opposers the opposition. He's saying, oh, I know what you're thinking. I know you're thinking if I say grace multiplies, then people are going to sin even more. So if grace is abounding, then you're going to sin even more. So he says, may it never be, absolutely not. One man put it like this. He got it completely wrong, but this is how he put it. He said, I like to sin and God likes to forgive. So it sounds like we got a perfect deal. Now, that's not the right way to think about it, is it? God's forgiveness is not a promotion for sin. Abundant grace does not lead to persistent sin. His abundant grace actually causes us to sin less. We go, wow, Lord, thank you so much. 
We've said it before like this. We'll never be sinless, but we can sin less. We'll never be sinless. Now, through Christ, He's forgiven us of all our sins. We know that, but in practicality, we'll never be sinless, but we can sin less. And the abundance of grace promotes in our hearts, Lord, you've done so much to me. I don't want to sin. God's given me a new appetite. He's given me a new desire. He's given something new in my heart, my life, that I want holiness. I want righteousness. Statistics show that the more sugar you eat, the more sugar you want. And that's really hard right now because we got these little things called candy corns in our life that are so good and so wonderful. And I've loved them since I was a kid. And I don't know how you eat them, but I bite off the white, then I bite off the orange, then I bite off the yellow. And I just savor every, every little morsel. It's awesome. When I was a little kid, my grandfather would put them on the ground and I'd get on my knees and I'd eat them like a little bird just going along. <laughs> it's really weird. I was 19 when I did that. I shouldn't have done that. These little candy corns, and the more you eat them, the more you want them, and the more you want them, the more you eat them, and then pretty soon you're just down in the whole thing, right? God's given you a new appetite, and the appetite is not for sin. God has given you an appetite. His grace has made you hungry for truth, for righteousness, for joy, for, for His things. Now, suppose it like this. Imagine that you got a new car and you drove out and you drove down the block and you smashed that new car and you just wrecked it and it was totaled and they towed it back to the, to the place, uh, the car dealership where you bought it and they gave you a new car. The guy said, hey, we just want to give you a brand new car. It's just grace. You just take a new car. Now, we got car dealers in our church. They're not going to do that, okay? But to be able to bring that new car and to take it back out on the road, are you going to drive that new car and say, oh, man, this is awesome. Let me get another wreck. No, you're going to go, wow, let me be extra careful. God's abundant grace over our abundant sin leads us to want to follow him even more. Now, Paul's going to tell us there's three things about this that we need to know. Three things we need to know about our relationship with Christ. And the first one we're going to see in Romans 6, verse 3 through 5, okay? Romans 6, verse 3 through 5. Are you unaware, I want you to know, he wants us to know these things, that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore, he's talking about baptism, therefore buried with Christ by baptism unto death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. So he's talking about baptism and he says, you are identified with Christ. So our, our point is this, we are united with Christ. See, baptism is a unification, is a symbolic statement that I'm unified with Christ. Chapter 6, verse 4, if you've been in our church for a while, you know we baptize people all the time. We always say this, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in the newness of life. You could say it, you just know it, that's how we say it. Well, that's right from verse 4 of this chapter. That's exactly what verse 4 of chapter 6 says. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in the newness of life. We are unified, united with Christ. We belong to Jesus. We're on team Jesus. Team Kainos of the heart. We are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. 
And so we are on team grace. We are with him. When you step to the pearly gate, so to speak, and it's time to walk into heaven, if you're a believer in Christ, God is gonna see the blood of Christ over you. That's what he's gonna see. And because of your unification with Jesus, you're gonna walk right into heaven. You are in him. He is in you. You are one with Christ. Warren Wearsby said, when Jesus died, I died. When Jesus arose, I arose. And now I am seated with him in the heavenlies, just as it says in Ephesians 2. We are a part of the team. Let me tell you what, we'll all wear our Astro jerseys. I got my Astro belt on right here. I'm fired up. We're excited. It's going to be great. All this stuff is good, good stuff. But let me tell you what, you'd be the biggest Astro fan in the world. But I tell you this, I bet at your funeral, not one Astro is going to come. I bet, I'm sure they love you. They think it's great. They want you to be there. We're all fans. Probably one Astro isn't going to come. It's great to be on a team, but it's great to be on God's team. Because when you're unified with Jesus and you've been clothed in the righteousness of Christ and the jersey is Jesus, so to speak, that you've been wrapped in the newness of Christ and your flesh is crucified and your heart is alive and you're brand new, you're kainos in your heart, that changes everything. Because I tell you what, an astro might come to your funeral, but you sure want Jesus to be at your funeral, to be taking you home to heaven at that moment in the time of, of, of it would be before your funeral. I'm messing up all sorts of theology by saying that. But you get what I'm saying. I think you understand what I'm saying. That we are united with Him, buried with Christ in baptism, and raised to walk in the newness of life. Even at the beginning of your book, we've got baptism day right there with Dr. Trammell uh, baptizing right there. Let me show you a, a picture that's one of my favorite pictures of that day. Isn't that a great picture? I love that picture. So cool. We baptized 360 people at all campuses in one day. I had like baptism shoulder, you know, from doing it. was awesome. Yeah, let's cheer for that. So cool. Absolutely incredible. And that's where this verse comes from, or that's what this verse is talking about, that you're united with Jesus Christ. You've been baptized with Christ. So you are united with him. Now, let me just stop for just a second. We as human beings want so badly to belong, and that's something God has put in us. That's a blessing, that we would belong to the family of God through the church, that we would belong in our families, our physical families, a mom, dad, brother, sister, all that, that we would belong. We need that, and that's why the devil has assaulted the family, right? Because he can fray all that and make us feel alone and we were really made to belong. I always thought it was so interesting in college ministry that I did for so many years that students couldn't wait to leave home, couldn't wait to leave their, their brother, their sister, their mom or dad, couldn't wait to leave their house so they could get to college and join a sorority or fraternity and have a big brother or big sister and be in a sorority house. <laughs> interesting, right? Why? Because we know we need family, we need to belong. And it might not be the Greek system of fraternity and sorority, but it's a club, it's a sports team, it's a band, it's a drama group, it's whatever. We need to belong and it feels so bad when we don't belong. We've all felt that when we don't belong. But let me tell you what, you belong to Jesus. Ladies, if you don't belong to a man, you belong to Jesus. Man, if you don't belong to a woman, you belong to Jesus. If your parents haven't treated you like, like they should biblically and just even just... Kindness-wise, you belong to Jesus. 
That is huge. You're united in him. There's no FOMO of anything. God's got you and you belong to him. Number two, our old self has been crucified. Our old self is crucified. We are united with Jesus. Students, really listen to that because you'll make the worst decisions of your life if you don't realize you belong to Jesus. We belong to Jesus and our old self has been crucified. So we need to know that. Let's look at verse six through nine. For we know, okay, key, we know that our old self was crucified with him, that's Jesus, so that our body ruled by sin, we've all felt that, might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin since a person who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. Our old self has been crucified. Here's what it means. Sure, we're going to have temptation of sin. Sure, we're going to have flesh. So we're going to have tendencies that we're going to be like, oh, over here, sin. But you're, if you're a believer, if you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You are in Christ. Christ is in you. You've been given a new appetite. You've been given a new nature. Your old self has been crucified. Now, it doesn't mean that it's annihilated, but it does mean, as it said in the Scripture, it's rendered powerless. You don't have to sin anymore. You could choose something else. And let me tell you some really, really good news. This is good news. This is awesome news. This is really good news. Have I said yet that this is good news? This is good news. That if you're a believer in Christ, when you participate in sin, you will not enjoy it. And that is really good news. Why? Because sin brings death. It brings death physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. It brings death. What does sin ever produce? Sin does nothing but tear things down. And so it's a blessing that you've been given a new appetite so that when we do sin as believers in Christ, we're convicted in our hearts and we give it to the Lord and we realize that grace is multiplied so that we don't want to sin anymore right? Because God's given us something so great. We want to please him. That's going to be Romans 7. Why do I do the things I don't want to do? These other things I want to do. God wants to ruin sin for you because you are alive to Christ. Now, country music can always give us some really great theology, can't it? There's a song by Cody Johnson, and it's called Me and My Kind, and he basically, it's a heartbreak song of country music, which is like 90% of country music, right? So in this 90% of the genre, he's got a heartbreak song where he's a cowboy, and he basically breaks this girl's heart, and she writes off cowboys from there on. Okay, so listen to this. It's, it's pretty cute the way he puts it together. I guess I ruined it for the rest of us, that's the cowboys, when I left her standing in my dust. Oh, lately she's been hating rodeos, Copenhagen's, Copenhagen and trucks. Yeah, she's over buckles. She's over spurs. To her, you're just a heartache in a pearl snap shirt. <laughs> she's been lassoed and let go for the last time. No, she just ain't, no, she ain't, let me say it. No, she ain't just over me. She's over me and my kind. She ain't just over me. She's over me and my kind. You're just a heartache in a pearl snap shirt. Let me tell you what, believer. You're not just over that sin. You're over these sins. 
God has taken it over all of it. That all of them, even that one that you think, oh, that's, that's, I can't get that one up. Let it go. God's got it, and he's crucified it on the cross. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, For I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And this life I live in the body, I, lived in the ho- I live in the hope of the power and the glory of God who died and rose again for me. Wow, how incredible. The old self has been crucified and he's given you a new nature and a new self. And that makes you want to do things for Jesus. That's why we do kainos. I mean, who just wants to give money? No, we want to give to the Lord. We're not giving to the church. We're giving through the church to change lives. It's not something God wants from us. It's something God wants for us. And so generosity goes, yes. It feels incredible. Well, one of the things that we're doing in particular, a big, big chunk of it, is our commission section. That our budget is about $32.5 million a year to do all the ministries we do at all the campuses and all the missions we do. All the faith centers throughout our town have given clothes away and food away and share Christ with you. So 32.5, so that adds up to about $67 million. That's a big chunk of this kinos to be able to have our, our budget being provided for. You're giving towards that. Well, our budget is discipling people every day, all day. We're doing great work with life Bible study and worship services and ministries and all sorts of things. And we want to long-term disciple some folks. And I was trying to think of an illustration for this. And I was like, Lord, bring me an illustration. And sure enough, that email came. I was like, that's it. I got an email from a, uh, an 89-year-old lady that was a longtime member of our church, so 89 years old, just getting started, 89 years old, and she said this. I thought this was a great way to start. I thought you'd get a kick out of this. What a great way to start an email. Remember all the times, I remember all the times I was on the evangelism team during the summer and working at the Faith Center, and I would invariably on the way home, I would always discover I still had one or two Bibles in my car or in my hand, and they were the Bibles that we give away at all campuses, got a little logo on it, Houston's First, right in the seat back in front of you, you can take one home with you, that's great, we've given thousands of them away, and she'd always leave with this, and I accumulated probably a half a dozen or more, so she's stealing Bibles from the church, I mean, that's part of the story here. That grace may abound, right? She said, recently though, there was a company that was laying micro cable in my neighborhood, which I thought she was cool, she even knew what that was, micro cable in my neighborhood. And in the process, they tore up my yard and many others in the neighborhood. So finally, the young man came by uh, to talk to me about fixing my yard. Now, I'm not sure how we got on the conversation, but it seems like I said something about fixing it right to please God, not not necessarily me. No pressure, right? No pressure on that. Sir, you're fixing this for God, not me. 89-year-old lady tells you this. Like, yes, ma'am. All right. One thing led to another, and I found out he was trying to earn his way to heaven by doing good. He listened intently to the good news, and it was evident that he understood the difference between earning his salvation and receiving his salvation. She's an 89-year-old lady. This is a worker at her house. He prayed to receive Christ. Yeah, let's cheer for that. That's awesome. And I took one of the Bibles from my stash from First Baptist, that's a quote, and gave it to him. How awesome is that? Then she goes on, if that wasn't enough. Also, just week before last, I had breast cancer surgery, and my first recovery nurse prayed to receive Christ as well. So I went to the hospital to bring her a Bible from First Baptist as well. Anyway, I need to get some more Bibles from you. (laughs) 
my stash needs supplies. Isn't that great? But isn't that what we call the Great Commission budget? That's what we're giving to as well. The Great Commission budget, that's what we call it. To be able to help this lady, to help all of us, to be discipled year in and year out from kids to senior adults and everybody in between. God doing his work in a kainos heart. I've been crucified with Christ. The old self is gone. The new self is there. I'm united with him. I'm crucified as well in my flesh. And then third and finally, I now live in resurrection power. I live in resurrection power. So you, you don't do those sort of things unless you're living in resurrection power. It's the power of God through you. Not your power, not willpower, not personality power, not educational power, resurrection power. I hope in this very moment, I'm not preaching in Greg power, or I studied power, but in resurrection power. That's why Paul says in Philippians 3.10, he says, I pray that you may know Jesus and, do you know the rest of the verse? The power of his resurrection. It's one thing that Jesus died on a cross. A lot of people died on a cross. But he rose from the dead. I'm trusting his death on the cross, but I'm also trusting his resurrection because his resurrection is going to be for me and for you because I place my faith in him so that when I die, I'm going to resurrect from the dead as well. And I'm going to be on team Jesus, team grace for all of eternity because I'm united in him, crucified on his same cross, and I'm living in resurrection power as a result of that. How cool is that? If you are in Christ, you are new. You are kainos. I am kainos. It's not a church program. Greek word for new, yes. We got t-shirts, we got a booklet, we got this, that, and the other. You and I, we're kainos. We're born again. We're new in Jesus. How awesome is that? The gospel makes us new. It transforms us from the inside out. So now I say, I want to be baptized. Do you need to be baptized? Don't wait just for baptism day. Tell us. Well, we do it all the time. So that I can be buried with Christ in baptism. It's talking about immersion and raised to walk in the newness of life. So now I live in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. I don't want candy corn. Yeah, I do. But I got an appetite for Jesus. I want God. I don't want sin. Why do I want that? Why do I want to wreck my marriage? Why do I want to wreck my family? Why do I want to wreck my friendships? Why do I want to wreck my heart? Why do I want to wreck my morality? Why do I want to wreck my integrity? Why do I want to do that? I don't want to do that. I want to walk with God. And if nobody goes with me, it's okay because I belong to him. And me plus Jesus is plenty. So you are brand new, absolutely brand new. How cool is that? Would you turn to page 16 in your book? Previous service, I said verse 16. It's not quite that good of a book. But page 16, it's going to show you some kind of some new opportunities that we have. And then on page 17, it's going to give you just kind of the math number there. You could figure it out. Our original goal, and we had pledges of almost 104 million, then it gives you the several factors underneath there. 
You can read those now, later, whatever you want, the adjusted goal. God's given us new things for us to be able to do, great things for us to be able to do. Now, how are we going to reach that goal to go from 104 million to 110 million? How's that going to happen? Well, there's going to be three groups of people. Let me encourage you. Which group are you in out of these three people? The kainos, the newness in our heart. Number one, first group is this. I want to encourage you, group one, that you would be the finish strong group. God laid on your heart a pledge. He laid on your heart a number, just as he did with our family. And maybe it's been a tough year for you. And I want to encourage you, you trust God. We're halfway through year one, year two. What could God do in year two in your life? You trust God and you finish strong and you keep that commitment. You just keep that commitment right there. You don't have to raise it a penny. Don't lower it a penny. You just keep it and you finish strong. And you watch in this next year as you begin to pray and say, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know what I'm going to do with this. You watch God do miracles in your life as you commit. You say, I'm going to finish strong. If you laid a number on my heart, God, I'm going to, we're going to go for it. We're going to make sacrifice. We're going to go for it. And we're going to trust you and he'll provide. Group two, and really, if you want to grab this card, is also in your, your booklet. This is our commitment card. We'll turn in November 20th. We'll wear our T-shirts again and we'll turn this in. And it'll give you kind of these different groups here in this little section if you want to follow along. The second group is... The stepping up group, it's a tough economy. There's no doubt about it. But there's some that have actually been blessed in this economy. And you look back and you're like, wow, I'm a little embarrassed about it even. I got a bonus. I got a raise. We cut that deal. Something happened. I got this inheritance. I got this windfall. I got this whatever it is. And I've actually been blessed in this. And so my commitment that we had before Man, we've already done that, or we're moving farther on that, or we, it's not even a challenge anymore. And there's some that God's going to call you to step it up a notch and say, well, you know what? God's blessed us, and we want to give back. He's blessed us to be a blessing, and we want to take a step into that. So some, it's going to be everything you got to keep your commitment to stay strong. And I tell you, amen and high five, and we're so proud of you. And some, you look at this year, and it's been a good year, and you're going to say, you know what? We could do a little bit more, do a lot more, whatever it is. And you're going to take that step and say, okay, God, we trust you with that. And we, we're, going to, we're going to do that. We're going to step up with that. And then number three, and this is a really exciting group, it's those that have never been a part of Kainos before. Do you know in the last year, let me, let me find the page for you because I want you to, to see it. Um, turn to page 10, if you will. Page 10 it says our commission. In the last year, we had to go to press with this. And we, we got the numbers too low. It says 847 people have joined the church, but I want to back it up to September so we can kind of get September to October. So let's say 13 months. In the last 13 months, when we kicked off Kainos in September, talking about it and planning for it, in the last 13 months, we have had, I'm going to tell you the number, and then I want you to cheer wildly at all campuses. This is a big deal. We have had 1,252 people join our church. Twelve hundred plus people in the last year have joined our church. It's incredible. And now that's not even how many people are just coming to our church that haven't joined. Because some folks take like a decade to finally join, you know. So that's okay. No, no shame. It just you know it takes a little slower. That's all right. But to be able to come in and to see twelve hundred new people, so maybe you're new and kainos really is Greek to you. You don't know what it is. Okay, it's the Greek word for new. Now you know. We got a booklet for you even. 
And we want you to jump in for the very first time. Wow. If we've done all this without you, what can we do with you? I mean, we've already given $500,000 to Bible translations. We've already given hundreds of thousands of dollars to help with, with things that are going on in Africa. I actually want you to turn, if you will, as I wrap up, uh, turn um, to page, let me see if I can find what page, page 12. Turn to page 12 and just see some of the things that we've already done. We've given $300,000 for strategic efforts to plant churches in South Asia. It doesn't have anything to do with Houston's First. We're going on mission. We've helped with a, a children's center in Kenya. I love this. I love this. I love this. Special needs kids in Kenya got a building built by Houston's First. How cool is that? Yes, you did that. The vine in Uganda that serves vulnerable children, we've helped with that already. We're building buildings. We're moving around. We're doing all sorts of things. The Faith Center there right underneath it, it's Spring Branch where we're doing all sorts of stuff. It's a 70-year-old building. You ever seen Chip and Joanna and they rip out a wall and go, oh my goodness, we didn't know that was there. That's happened like five times, okay? And so we're redoing this building. There's four churches meeting in that, ethnically-based churches, that are meeting there, that we're able to see great things happening there. We have an adoption center in there. Our adoption ministry is going to, their office is going to be in there for counseling and therapy and all those things. It's going to be great. Churches are going to meet in there. It's going to be amazing. You're a part of that. How incredible is that? Already, Difference Maker Ventures. We just launched that a couple weeks ago. We said, if you have a ministry idea, we want to give you wisdom. We want to give you finances, possibly. We've got a, a little process that you go through before we decide to give money and resources and such. But the first week that we launched it, one week, first week that we launched it, we had 27 applications for new ministries. And now we're up to 45 applications of new ministries. Can we give a cheer for that? How cool is that? So we've already done these things. And if you're new in this last year, come be a part of it. Why would you not? Are you against the orphanages in Africa? Are you against the Bible translation? I mean, where, where are we missing here? What's going on? This is what your new heart craves to be a part of. Life-changing God work. So I tell you this. Yeah, you're on Team Kainos. Yeah, we're on Team Astros. Yeah, we're on team grace. And that puts me on team Jesus. And that changes everything is brand new. So if you don't know Jesus is your savior, come to know Christ. If you do, then walk with him. May grace abound, or may sin abound because grace abounds. May it never be. You walk with God. You belong to him. No matter what anybody else says, you belong to him. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We love you, God. Wow. Kainos in our own hearts. How incredible. So Lord, over these weeks, as we keep bringing our books back, as we keep discovering more, as we pray over them, as we put our commitment card in a visible place to just pray over things, God, do your work in us and through us. We are excited about the new things you're doing and that we get to be a part. If there's anybody that their heart has never been changed by Jesus, that, that's what we're after, what this whole thing is about. May they come and talk to somebody today. May they talk to their friend. May they ponder these things as a part of the digital family. Yes, Lord. We thank you, God, for that. 
Somebody needs to be baptized. Let them do it. Go for it. They'll be celebrated. Whatever it is, you do your work in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.